Welcome everybody to another episode of Need Some Introduction. In today's episode, I'll be discussing the finale of the Apple TV Plus sci-fi series Silo, which has been renewed for a second season. I do find it such a frustration when we get a new series which ends on a cliffhanger, and oftentimes, especially as we're getting ready for what is inevitably going to be a purge of streaming networks, that we end things on a cliffhanger. So worry not in this instance if you've been waiting to decide whether to watch this series or not, there will indeed be a second season. And by the way, I have been checking in with the book, which tells very much the same story, structured slightly differently, but for the most part, very similar. And there is a lot more to the book versus the series. So they haven't even completed one of these three books, and there's also some short stories and other superfluous content. So theoretically, this can run for many more seasons. Before we get to the breakdown, I did want to give you something that I had promised on an earlier episode, some recommendations of other shows, movies, etc., that you may want to check in on. If you want to continue in the vein of Black Mirror, if you're a fan of Black Mirror, you like sci-fi anthologies or anthologies in general, or just dark science fiction, I have a slew of recommendations based on these five episodes of TV. So let's get into them right now. Okay, first... Black Mirror-related recommendation for everybody, especially since everybody has Netflix if you're watching Black Mirror. Check out Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix. Even if we don't get that new season, do check out the first three seasons of this animated shorts, all different styles, a true anthology, and almost all of these are worth watching. Sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're absolutely grotesque, so do beware for some of the grislier elements. There, If you're very squeamish about violence, might not be a great fit. Although not all of those episodes are violent. So do check the ratings when those episodes kick off, look at the rating warnings. But oftentimes they do explore this future robot adjacent, not always robots, but mostly. Definitely sci-fi, sometimes horror. And as I mentioned, many, many different styles of animation and sometimes some of the most absolutely incredible computer animation you'll see. And if you'd like to see my list of recommended episodes, do check out an episode I published last summer, recommended Cream of the Crop for these three seasons of the show, right around when it premiered last year, around the same time as as Stranger Things. But in general, I would recommend this, and the episodes are short. So once again, as long as you're not too squeamish and willing to take the plunge, this is a really interesting anthology for multiple reasons. Second recommendation, Electric Dreams. Another anthology, this is on Amazon Prime, celebrity-studded short stories, all based on Philip K. Dick's writings, which has also inspired Blade Runner, Total Recall, The Man in the High Castle. Not all home runs here, by the way. At least half of the episodes are interesting enough to recommend this. I think a much better batting average, although an anthology does all tie together into a larger story, is a series called Calls on Apple TV+. Plus which really is like a podcast. These are vocal performances by pretty famous, recognizable voices. There is some kind of supernatural event happening on earth. And you see in these episodes, these different people experiencing this moment. And the stories are varied. Like there are some are comedic, some are thrillers, some are more like psychodramas, but there's a cumulative effect in the stories. And there is this bookend beginning and end, which ties itself up perfectly. And I said, you see them do this. You actually don't see them, even though this is on television. This 
practically works as a podcast. It's almost exclusively an oral experience. There is a visual element to it, and I do recommend it. It's a very entertaining hour or so of TV. I think there's six or seven episodes, and they just run in total a little bit over an hour, an hour very well spent. And as I mentioned, you can stream this on your phone and don't even have to look at the visuals if you don't want to, although there is some interesting visual effects that happen while you're watching something that practically looks like a screensaver, but this it's kind of hard to explain. The pattern kind of changes depending on what's happening within the story. So it's intriguing to have this kind of white noise visual that is somehow accentuating what you're listening to. But the vast majority of this is the listening experience. So if you like podcasts, this is a good one for you. And it's called Calls on Apple TV+. Plus. Another recommendation, I'll recommend this again, the beautiful anthology series on Amazon Prime called In the Loop which I reviewed here back in December, I believe it was. So check out that conversation in our backlog or simply watch the show. And this gets a very high recommendation for me. I always try to recommend this one because I don't think many people have seen it. And if you're a sci-fi fan, you really should track it down. And one more British show, not science fiction though, not science fiction, but a very interesting experiment inside number nine, which is a pure anthology, each episode completely unrelated to the others, different stories like plays basically in completely different styles, sometimes horrors, sometimes black comedies, sometimes crime capers, sometimes dramas, each one basically a one-act play or two-act play, I guess, and usually with some kind of twist at the end. So if you like Black Mirror for its dark sense of humor and twists, this is a good fit, although no sci-fi. I don't think there's a single sci-fi episode within there, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, they have one someday. And I'm actually one entire season behind on that show. I forgot that they had released a season this year, which I probably will have on my agenda to catch up on this summer, considering there's so little else to watch. That's, I mean, that I'm vested in, I should say. Plenty of stuff to watch. There's just not anything I'm really digging on. Okay. As for the recommendations related to specific episodes of Black Mirror, episode one is Joan is Awful in which Joan, the character, finds out that she is a character inside of a Netflix-like season of television. So for this one, I recommend a really terrific comedy, drama, sci-fi, fantasy, I guess, called Pleasantville. And this was available to rent, not available to stream anywhere, but I love this movie. I've seen it multiple times, and it always is just a movie. I just love the performances in it, and I love what it says about these people. And it's just a beautiful metaphor for this kind of loss of innocence in America. And the performances are just terrific. The real reason to watch this is the incredible performance by Joan Allen. And I'm one to pick nits. <laughs> this show overcomes all that for me because it doesn't make any sense at all how this would work. But hey, I'm okay with it because the rest of the movie, once you accept the ridiculous, pays off wonderfully. All right, second recommendation, and this one's available everywhere. You can pretty much watch this on any of the streaming sites. I think they have it on Freevee and on Tubi and basically all those fast streaming sites, the free ones. It's called The Congress and it takes place in the near future. And Robin Wright, the actress, plays herself or a version of herself in a future. These actors can have themselves scanned, can have their avatar scanned, and then they can be put into movies in perpetuity and get paid for the work that these avatars, these avatars that they've created of themselves, which of course are an idealized version of them, of them can act forever. So there's the seduction of that. And of course, that correlates to Joan is terrible. But the film expounds on that even further, introducing a fantasy world where people can enter into and live lifetimes over very short periods of time. So 
another theme that Black Mirror has explored in multiple episodes and explored here too in the Congress. For me, acting in some of these early segments of the film are rough, but once the film goes fully psychedelic, I really, really found it a fascinating thought experiment. One more recommendation in this vein is a movie called Cam. This is billed as a horror movie. I don't really see it as a horror movie, but this is available on Netflix, starring Madeline Brewster, who gives an incredible performance here, recognizable from The Handmaid's Tale. And in this film, she plays a cam girl. So if you are squeamish about not that tons of nudity, but more sexually frank material, this may not be right for you. But if you're okay with that, she plays this cam girl that discovers someone has basically hijacked her persona online. And at first she thinks someone has just hacked her account, but then she hacks into her own feed and she sees a version of herself actually camming on the stream. And then the question becomes, is this a ghost story or has she been hacked? Is this some kind of AI or is she having some kind of psychotic break and is actually doing this herself to herself? And it becomes extremely paranoid Madeline Brewster gives such a great performance. Her fixation on scoring more highly as this cam girl, there's these kind of rewards that they earn, and she can see how she ranks. Although, of course, most people do not have the experience of being a cam girl, I think that there is this obsession with social capital, especially incentivized by social media, which this is also deeply exploring. And then what happens when you lose something that you've sacrificed so much for, even though it's completely made up? Anyway, this is a movie I highly recommend. Not perfect in, in its execution, and it's a little cheaply produced, but a great central performance and great ideas. Like the exploration of these very interesting themes is done in a way that I've never seen before. So I do recommend this movie, Cam, and that's on Netflix. Okay, episode number two is called Lock Henry, and it made me think of an Australian film available on Freevee and Tubi for free. Just got to watch the ads called Lake Mungo. Not only is the name reminiscent, of course, but it does have some of these elements. It uses found footage from a different time period. This is a very interesting film that appears to be a found footage horror movie at some point, a ghost story, then a crime documentary, like a true crime documentary, which of course, another theme in Lock Henry. And eventually, surprisingly, has this really emotional punch, which makes this quite a unique watching experience. So I do recommend it. Is it a horror movie? Good question. It could be all of the things I described before. Once again, that's called Lake Mungo, available on all the fast streaming services. Okay, third episode is Beyond the Sea. By the way, minor spoilers, I guess, for some of the thematics in these episodes. So I'll try not to spoil any details in case you haven't watched these episodes yet. But maybe beyond this point, you may have wanted to watch the episodes before you get my recommendations. Okay, because of the space set storyline in Beyond the Sea, I did want to recommend a very tightly paced film on Netflix that honestly, most people don't like, and I do not understand why they don't like it. I think this is a really thrilling space mission movie, and it's called Stowaway, and that's on Netflix. Basically, there is a space mission, there is an extra person on the capsule, and unfortunately, sacrifices need to be made given the fact that there are limited supplies to accommodate an extra stowaway. And not only does it deal with this philosophical conundrum intelligently, I think, it also features a truly thrilling action sequence. Another film I would recommend, this one's from 1966. And of course, this episode is set in 1969. And I think it badly, honestly, this Black Mirror episode badly, 
tries to deal with the cultural changes that were happening at that time. But this movie, Seconds, is truly fascinating, starring Rock Hudson and directed by John Frankenheimer. This is a very interesting science fiction premise. For a price, you could basically have the fountain of youth. You could get put into the body of a young person. And that's what we see in the film where this older gentleman decides to have this procedure. His death is falsified, wakes up in the body of Rock Hudson, and suddenly it's 1966. We're approaching the summer of love. It is culturally a completely different milieu that he is suddenly thrown into. So he has this younger, attractive body, but he's still in his mind, this older man, and it's the culture clash of that period of time within a single person. And this is a really fascinating film, and you should try to track it down. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, it is available to rent via Canopy. So if you have a library card, install the Canopy app on your television or device of choice and install Canopy, K-A-N-O-P-Y, and check this film out. The Canopy, by the way, a wealth of really fascinating current and older films, usually smaller films, but this is a great one. So definitely check it out, especially if you like this type of speculative fiction that deals with these cultural and moral questions like Black Mirror. This is one of the best in this vein, probably an inspiration for The Twilight Zone. Okay, the next episode, the fourth of the season is called Maisie Day. Here's where you definitely want to have watched the episode ahead of time, or maybe just skip this one. Not great, not great to be honest, but here's my recommendations. I already gave these recommendations to some extent in the actual review of the episodes. The first one, The Howling, which is available on AMC and Shudder. Also a satire on, not paparazzi, but in this case, local news in many ways are the same type of vultures that paparazzi are and dealing with some of the same themes as this episode as well. An American Werewolf in London, just because it's easily available. If you're in the mood for more werewolf stuff, of course, if you haven't seen it before, you got to see it finally. It's on Pluto and Tubi, so very easy to watch. Also, as a criticism of the paparazzi and our fixation with these type of stories, the film Nightcrawler, of course, which I reviewed here on the podcast many, many episodes ago, if you want to track that down, which is newly available on HBO Max. So if you've never seen it, do watch it, or it's just Max now. Sorry, Max, the one to watch for HBO rolls right off the tongue. Speaking of a horrible depiction of paparazzi and the outcome of their predatory behavior around celebrities, check out the truly excellent Amy Winehouse documentary just called Amy, available on Canopy, that library app I mentioned earlier, or Max on HBO Max, or Max, just Max. And lastly, circling back to science fiction, check out Nope, which is now available on Amazon Prime. This is Jordan Peele's third film, which most people are familiar with. This one goes in a sci-fi direction, but also features, I mean, fundamentally features a criticism of our cultural fascination with capturing spectacles to our own detriment. So thematically, very close coupling between the film Nope and Maisie Day, although Maisie Day, once again, not a great episode, but I think some of these recommendations are pretty strong. Okay. Episode number five, we got to the end of the Black Mirror season. Lots of recommendations for this one. First of all, if you want to see someone using a relationship with a demon for some aspect of wish fulfillment with a question as to whether the demon is real or not. So thematically very close to this episode, check out a movie called Daniel Isn't Real. This one's available on Canopy and also on Stars if you have Stars. This is sci-fi, horror, fantasy, a blend of those. This is about a college student who starts to reconnect with his childhood imaginary friend called Daniel. But for most of its runtime, 
there is this ambiguity. Who's responsible for some of the things we see occurring in the film? I do have a significant criticism in that maybe the last 20 minutes or so, when it gets very special effects heavy, it really can't pull off the special effects. This is a very low budget movie, but does feature a really magnetic performance by Patrick Schwarzenegger, who brings a lot of charisma to the role. And uh, my first time seeing Schwarzenegger's son and impressed by his performance here as Daniel, the demon. And if you'd like to know more about this period of time, the rising of the National Front, this racist party in Britain, which of course is the backdrop to a lot of what we see in this episode, Shane Meadows has the film This Is England about some youngsters who fall in with these racist skinheads in 1981, I believe it is. So right around the time of the setting of this episode of the season. On the brighter side, check out a documentary called White Riot, which is available on Tubi, which is about the Rock Against Racism movement, which began in 19, I believe there was the concert in 1976, directly refuting the uprising of the National Front in England. And of course, a whole musical movement that came out around the time of punk and beyond it, including two-tone records. And we hear multiple bands here from the two-tone record label on the soundtrack to this episode. And if you'd like to know more about Two-Tone, check out Two-Tone and the Sound of Coventry, which is a BBC documentary, which is available on YouTube, or Dance Craze 1981, also based on this musical scene, and also available to stream on YouTube. Okay, so I hope you take advantage of some of those recommendations, if you don't have enough to watch. <laughs> and let me get into the breakdown of these two most recent episodes of Silo, including the finale, of course. Before I get into the breakdown of the Silo episode, just a few show notes about what you can expect upcoming. There is still a pretty weak slate of high-profile shows that are premiering this summer, but over the long weekend, do expect a final breakdown and conversation about the absolutely terrible, <laughs> I kind of defended the idol after those first couple episodes, well, it didn't get better. <laughs> and we'll see what happens with the finale. Only five episodes of this show, and they've honestly gotten worse and worse. I'll give you my final thoughts on that finale. Expect that episode Monday morning, I would assume. And later in the week, my thoughts on two series that just premiered recently, the new Marvel Secret Invasion series, as well as a thrilling new Apple TV Plus series, called Hijack. And two episodes of that are already available. And briefly, I would recommend it highly. If you like thrillers, this is a very tense watch. But this might be a great show to binge, actually. So you may want to wait. But I'll give you more thoughts on that later this week. So let's get into the silo breakdown. I did not have a chance to review episode nine, which was called The Getaway. And episode 10, the final episode, was called Outside. But rather than doing a beat-by-beat -beat breakdown of everything that's happened, now that we've gotten to the end of the season, let's work our way back from the end to the front of these two episodes and reevaluate what we discovered and what is still yet to be discovered. Of course, the biggest thing we've discovered in this whole entire season of television is one of the very last things we see, a city in the distance. And what is season two of the show going to be called? Silos with an S. <laughs> Not a bad title because that's our big discovery here. There's not just one silo. There are multiple silos. Is this silo 18? After all, that hard drive had a very short serial number, just 18. And that blinking key, the key that unlocks that comms room, which I assume is a comms room that Bernard has access to, this is silo 18. So there are at least 18 of them, if not more. 
And we leave on this cliffhanger where, where is Juliet headed? Probably to one of those other silos. The other switch forward back, which I still, this is both a mystery solved and then a bigger question left to be answered, the screen. So back in episode 19, the big cliffhanger there was the fact that once Juliet got onto that hard drive, she found that video of one of the previous cleaners out in this beautiful pastoral locale, a file called Jane Carmody Cleaning. This is the file that Allison found, which made her so confident to go out and clean. A couple of things that maybe are a mistake in the show or maybe awkward in the show. Once Juliet has seen this, it's interesting that she's so terrified to go outside because you would presume that she actually thinks the outside is now a green and healthy world. Now, the double reversal is that even though it's literally logical, she's so terrified to go outside, she realizes that no, what they're seeing, the green world, is the illusion. I'm not sure how she figures this out, to be honest with you. Although now that I'm thinking about it, the fact she cannot see the sheriff's body should be a pretty good indication that she's seeing something falsified. As a matter of fact, she ends up tripping on the body where she places that badge. As she heads up over that ridge, Bernard starts to panic, of course. And as I mentioned, I think he plans to communicate that one of theirs is out and about. This is an interesting dynamic, by the way. It's very easy to see Bernard as the big bad here. He's a multiple murderer here in the show. And this revelation that he is probably being manipulated by some higher power. Minimally, he's an equal member of these mayors of these different silos. Worst case scenario, he is being manipulated by them or threatened in some way. Okay, another little too cute detail here is then how does she survive at all? And the trick ends up being it's the tape that's being used. So the duct tape that she had stolen all the way back near the beginning of the show, or actually before the events of this show, the thing that got her that negative reputation, they somehow knew that this was the good tape. The other tape was intentionally designed to allow the noxious outside environment to bleed through. <laughs> Not, I'm a little confused by some of these decisions here, which are different in the book, by the way, but a little strange. I think it's a little too cute. They're trying to tie the tape back into the storyline, regardless, however they figure this out. By using the better duct tape, she's able to insulate herself from the toxic outside, and she survives and is now out and about. That, of course, is the finale of the show. So one more mystery solved as to if you believed that they were being poisoned inside their suits, being fed some kind of gas, then when Holston took off the helmet, how come he died anyway? If the outside world is truly noxious, then do they even need the pretense of killing them with the bad tape. I mean, they're going into an inhospitable world. And of course, the biggest mystery that still remains in regard to that specific point is why even present them with this green lush outside? Is it somehow to manipulate them to clean? Because when they see that the outside is green, they want to clean the lens. Do they think the lens is dirty and that's why they're seeing this outside? That is still very confusing to me because if they think, well, it's just because the camera is dirty, so I'm going to wipe it off, that doesn't really make sense. They, they've they seen that camera display for many years, so they know what's actually being presented out there. And then alternately, if they think that, well, this is a manipulated image, I'm seeing a green world, they're seeing a gray world because they're getting a fake image presented to them, then wiping off the lens isn't going to change that. Why show them the green world. I believe that there is an intention. I just can't figure out what it is. 
they are still definitely trying to paint Bernard. Now, Bernard has been set up pretty much to be the bad guy here in this entire show, but maybe he does truly have an affinity here for Juliet. And if he really does feel like she is endangering everybody on the silo or in the silo, then of course he'd be annoyed with her. Theoretically, at this point, before he sends her out to clean, he could tell her everything, which of course would be very efficient for us to learn all these secrets right away. But there's also a character-driven reason why he may not want to. He may be suspicious that she may yet survive this whole thing. (laughs) She has been very, very wily so far. Bernard is also a little scared that sending Juliet out might lead to some kind of rebellion inside the silo. There could be some significant unrest, and he's kind of deal with her to make sure that she does not tell anybody that she did not ask to go outside. You can only imagine, considering all her loyalists, how ugly this could possibly get. She almost tells her father, by the way, but does not. Importantly, she does stay true to her word. Billings is going to become the sheriff as soon as Juliet dies. And now that she's not dead, (laughs) especially if she keeps popping up on the camera around the perimeter of the silo, I guess there's a question as to whether he ever becomes sheriff. They call him out on the fact that they know he has this condition, that he's been trying to hide this whole time. I assume they've known for a very long time. Some other things along the way here. I had actually assumed that Lucas being this new love interest would somehow rescue Juliet maybe give her a fortified suit or something, which I think is what happens in the book. But they've twisted things up here or changed things up here by making him just a guy who ratted her out, actually. And now that I'm thinking about it, the only piece of information that he really gave Bernard was the number on the hard drive was 18, which, I mean, Bernard, wouldn't that be the first thing he would search for? Speaking of searching for the hard drive, a couple of points going back to episode nine. Interesting that when she made her escape, Juliet went and hold up in Robert's apartment. I was trying to think at the end of that recap, episode eight recap, like where could she be headed that she could plug in this hard drive? Very clever that she headed to Robert's apartment. They would not be looking for her there. Luckily, his wife forbade them searching her apartment. She makes an excuse later on that when she had eventually let Juliet escape, she gets out of her handcuffs and lets Juliet escape. She tells Robert that the reason she did it was she didn't want those guards coming in here, guns drawn and shooting us up. I've been on that side of the gun, and I know how things can get very ugly very quickly. But in her interactions with Juliet, it seems like she's letting her escape. So I do wonder, once again, this interesting pairing of someone who's maybe a little more rebellious with someone who's a little more of a rule follower seems to be always the case with each one of these couplings we've seen. This may be, yet again, another example of that. And even Sims, Robert, has shown indications that he also is uncomfortable with some of the things he needs to do. Important to Juliet, other events here in this episode, she has a touching reconciliation with her father, finally getting out her apology for the way she treated him and all those years they've been apart. And also via the video from George, discovering that yes, he indeed was trying to use her to get access to more of those trinkets, those illegal artifacts. But in the end, had fallen in love with her. So he did He did indeed love her, leaving these clues behind for her to discover. She also discovers, of course, very sadly, that George did indeed commit suicide. It was not a murder. He was afraid of breaking under interrogation and revealing the location of the hard drive. So of course, the unknown still here at the end, why are there these silos? What happened to the natural world? Why is everything outside toxic? Those are the really big questions. Who is controlling Bernard? I do not believe Bernard is the top of the heap as far as playmakers across the silos, now that we have multiples. And I think maybe once again, still the most intriguing aspect of this whole entire concept is the why of everything. 
if Bernard is trying to control Juliet and control information to keep the silo from destroying itself or being destroyed by some outside force, then he's kind of the good guy here. So it is interesting to consider that everybody's the good guy in their own minds. And it all depends on the story they're telling themselves. Juliet is saying that they're trying to oppress me. Bernard is saying, I'm trying to save everybody in the silo. So they both feel righteous in what they're doing. And of course, there is that slippery definition of what is right and what is wrong. And that is the most interesting aspect of the show. And my criticism of this show is that it hasn't explored these themes in an interesting way to my liking. I did think it was interesting, unlike the book, which I've read more than half of it, to structure this as a murder mystery. I'm always a fan of murder mysteries. I think that's a good way to engage the audience. However, as people are getting killed off, it was pretty clear who could possibly be the only remaining suspect. And then, of course, leaving for future seasons this larger conspiracy, just to discover, for example, that this conspiracy is just within a larger conspiracy is very tantalizing. But if they had explored these themes of control well in this season and then expanded them, like kind of like the shock revelation is this understanding that the oppressors are oppressed in their own way and are in some ways the saviors of the people that they oppress is a very interesting paradox that could have been explored. But the show didn't seem like it wanted to explore those ideas that much and really focused on the mystery elements. I was going to say more about the procedural aspects of how the silo works, but honestly, we didn't really see how that works either. This really was focused on that murder mystery and uncovering the clues one breadcrumb at a time. And in that way, it was compelling to watch week to week, but I feel like it was kind of a missed opportunity. In other words, that basic framework could have been set in an Arctic research lab. It could have been set on a ship. It could have been set in a camp somewhere in the wild. It could have been on a space mission. Basically, what makes this unique is this concept of the silo and this isolated world and how this hierarchy needs each other to function. And I don't think it explored any of those concepts very well, but it does introduce them all. So my assumption is that we will see much more of that in season two. Okay. So that takes us to the end of this season of Silo. What will we be discussing for the rest of the summer? I honestly don't know. We'll definitely at least be reviewing the new Justified series from the same showrunner as Silo. I'll definitely be continuing to watch Hijack on Apple TV+. Plus. Very thrilling. Hijacking drama taking place in real time. Seven hours, seven episodes. Two episodes currently available. Check out Platonic, still on Apple TV+, Plus. about to wrap up within the next week or two. Last couple episodes haven't been great, but the first like five or six, absolutely hilarious. And movies. Definitely expect to get my thoughts on the new Indiana Jones, the new Mission Impossible film, which I'm very much looking forward to, the Oppenheimer-Barbie matchup going head-to-head on the same weekend. So all of those are yet to come. Make sure you subscribe if you are curious to get notifications when those episodes become available. If you'd like to support the show, give us a five-star review or rating on your podcatchers of choice. Recommend us to your friends and family. Definitely the main way that we get introduced to new listeners. And of course, check our back catalog for any shows you might be catching up on, whether that be Your Honor or The Last of Us or White Lotus, or if you're just catching up on Better Call Saul on Netflix, or our recent episodes talking about the most recent season of Black Mirror or the excellent FX series, The Bear, which both seasons of that show are available to stream fully. So if you have some time over the holiday weekend, check out one of those shows and listen to our coverage. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you have a great holiday weekend and I'll talk to you soon.